0: Hey, welcome back to Katie cast I'm your host, Randy, and in this episode, we will be discussing the importance of mental health and self care. So, we're really excited to have you to here today on the Katie cast about taking control of your mental health. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi there,
1: everyone. My name is Brianna Yi. I graduated from Virginia Commonwealth University and I crossed Fall 2016. We're
0: also really excited today to have our second guest, Danelle, go with us. Uh, Danelle, do you want to um, introduce yourself?
2: Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Danelle So. I crossed in spring 2015 from Delta Chapter at UC Santa Cruz. I'm currently on our International Leadership Board as the expansion advisor. And um, kind of like as my career or on the way to my career, I am um, a first year graduate student at the University of Southern California, studying post-secondary administration. So higher education administration and student affairs. Um, and currently I am in, in, in an internship trying to advise undergraduate student organizations. So kind of like long-term goal, working with students and advising, but you know, I'm really excited to be here on this podcast, really focusing on mental health.
0: So uh, welcome, we're really excited to have you here today. Um, Just a reminder to all our sisters, I still have my lovely interns here, um, Erin and Dean, and today we will be talking about taking control of your mental health. So if Erin wants to kick us off,
3: Thank you so much for being here again, just like Randy was saying. To get started, can you explain sort of how you became passionate about mental health and how this has sort of influenced your experiences?
1: Oh, definitely. I feel like this is a great question. Uh, I personally have had, you know, mental health has always been really important to me ever since I was younger, because my grandmother had bipolar depression and my mother also had depression as well. So those factors, obviously, it being genetic, I ended up having, you know, major depressive disorder and anxiety as well. And I have been officially diagnosed for about two years now, but I've suffered with it probably all throughout high school. And initially, of course, it's really hard and it takes a toll on you. But after finding the right support system and all the help that I could get, it's very manageable now. And I feel like a stronger person out of it. (laughs)
3: Yeah, thank you so much for being um, open and like honest about your experiences. I think that means a lot. You mentioned having like a strong support system. Can you sort of elaborate on that? Oh, definitely. Oh, well, of course, it comes to my parents, you know, at first, it's
1: hard, because, you know, coming from an East Asian background, my grandmother didn't really have that mindset, you know, culture thinking that mental health wasn't as important, you know, quote, unquote, it being crazy, like, you're just being crazy. But thankfully, you know, now being in the Western world and my mother being more Americanized, she really kind of understood that mental health was extremely important. So I had my family. And of course, I have my sisters at BCU who helped me tremendously. And I met so many other sisters who had similar experiences that I do. So it really made me feel like I wasn't alone and it helped me out a lot.
3: Great. So that actually, I feel, opens up the avenue to a lot of like other questions, um, and of course, like Dean, please jump in at any time. But so we actually wanted to ask about sort of like the traditional Asian mentality around like mental health and like how that influences a lot of like Asian Americans or people who are growing up in like sort of a non-traditionally like Asian culture, quote unquote. And so before, you were very lucky to have your parents support, but for the rest of us, like how can we begin to adjust Asian parents like immigrant mentality, so to speak? So as families, we can like begin to talk about mental health.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's the question, isn't it? What I feel like we all could start doing is definitely putting it into the narrative, just talking about it. Don't make it this taboo subject that most people consider it to be. Um, It really isn't that at all. And I feel like as us as Asian Americans just come together, kind of put mental health into the narrative, just start speaking about it more openly. I think that'd be a great first step for everybody.
2: You know, growing up, this really has been an area that has been challenging to tackle and navigate as an Asian, Asian Asian-American, especially, you know, within my family and in my community. So I think that it's something that I really try to advocate and even work with the students I currently am working with to really be able to have those difficult conversations and be able to really understand what it means to take care of your mental health and be really thoughtful about your well-being. So this whole topic is like something I'm really excited about talking.
0: That's really awesome to hear uh, you talking about how your family was there for you. I think the question that Aaron just posed about like having, putting it in a narrative, I think is really important. Um, my parents are very traditional. They come from the, the uh, aspect of suck it up or, you know, go exercise, <laughs> um, yeah. It's not a big deal. Your cousins have it worse, you know? Um, So how do you think starting a narrative would be? Like, how can I express to my parents or emote I'm sad without them thinking I'm weak or I'm failing? You know, like, how how do you really open those lines of communication? And since we're all older now, you know, they can't just tell us, go to your room or... You know uh, punish us in any other ways, like how do we start that conversation as we get older to try to make them understand that what we are feelings and what if we want to emote something it's it's okay
1: exactly like like- like you said, you know we're all older now, and that's the key thing we're older now, we are considered adults, so I know when I had this conversation when my late grandmother was still alive, and I wanted to talk to her more about mental health. I really had to let her know, like, you know, grandma, I love you, but I'm an adult and I'm going to speak to you like an adult about what is bothering me, you know, X, Y, Z, Mm, you know, I talked to her about my mental health. I kind of had to sit down and like explain it to her, you know, um, just, I just asked her for 10 minutes of her time of her just not speaking and just letting me say what I had to say. And fortunately enough, she listened to me. You know, some parts of, you know, she's not going to agree with everything I said, and that's what happened. She didn't agree with everything, but something that she did realize was, okay, you know what, you're not a baby anymore. You have your own valid feelings, and you're allowed to feel how you want to feel.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So
1: that was something that I got out of that from my personal experience, so...
3: How did she react when you were like, when you first were like, oh, like I'm, like I'm an adult. Like, did she think it was like very rebellious? Because like, I feel just being Korean, the Confucian ideals of like filial piety and like just being super, like ridiculously, like respectful at all times, still runs very like strongly. So I'm like trying to, I can't even begin to imagine how my family would like react if I did oh. that.
0: <laughs> That's a really You're good point, Erin. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also come from a Korean
1: background. So you, as you can imagine, the first, the initial reaction wasn't the best. Obviously, they kind of thought of it as a sign of disrespect. Like, oh, who do you think you are thinking that you can say, you know, X, Y, and Z to me? But hopefully, at least when it came to my family, when they saw the sincerity in my voice and the conversation that I was trying to open up and have, then they kind of realized, okay, so you're being serious. This is not just some fuddy-duddy thing that you're trying to, you know, get aroused out of me. So that was, just, that was with my family. I, you know, I was fortunate enough for that being the case, but I know some other people don't have it as easily.
0: <laughs> so Brianna, you said earlier about um, your parents are there for you and for you, the conversation with your parents wasn't that bad. But also you had mentioned two years ago, you got professionally diagnosed and I think that that's awesome that you could um, have those resources and your family was supportive. I know that my parents are, when they hear of other, you know, Asian parents talk, they're like, oh, my child went to whatever, whatever. But if they hear that, you know, their kid went to therapy or something, they'll come back and tell me, you don't need therapy. You know, this, were the school of fix it yourself. So how do we... How do you think letting parents, our parents know, like, hey, uh, mental health therapy is very important, giving us, giving you that space to, like, not be afraid to seek out those resources? Have you ever encountered that? Uh, Do you, how do you tell sisters that, you know, might be struggling? You know, should they reach out to those professional resources? Uh, What are some professional resources that you've really liked? And also, it probably is never too late to reach out for help, right, Brianna? Oh, gosh, that is never, ever, ever too late to reach for help. I'm just going to preface
1: that right now. I sought out help pretty late into my um, depression. I honestly did. I shouldn't have waited as long as I did, but I did. But kind of going back to what you stated before about, you know, Asian American families and stigmas around therapy, it completely goes back to having that open conversation again, you know? having a conversation on mental health, kind of maybe rerouting the wording a little bit, you know, kind of make therapy sound like you're going to see a doctor. Like, obviously, like, for example, if you're going to physical therapy, you're working out or you're trying to fix and work out other part of your, you know, bodies, you know, trying to make it stronger. Therapy's kind of the same way. You're trying to get that mental health, your mindset stronger and kind of build that up so it's really honestly my first. Pers- i know i'm saying it a lot but having that conversation and like really having them understand it helps a lot honestly um and when it comes to resources uh thankfully i recently just got a therapist and i'm really happy about that um and there are a bunch of resources that you can research i know therapy isn't cheap. It is definitely not cheap. I know that mm-hmm. some people $150 an hour and that's expensive. Yeah. But I've done research and there are definitely um resources available to you that has either a sliding scale or
0: an extremely low hourly charge mm-hmm. for people who don't make a big income. That's that's good to know. I think it's important to know that there are resources out there because I for one probably wouldn't know
4: um, so Brianna, you mentioned that you sought help pretty late. So I was wondering what inspired you to take that step into getting help.
0: Oh, that's a really good question.
4: Oh goodness.
1: Uh let's see here. Well, my honestly speaking, you know, we're all sisters here. My depression got very bad, I wanna say, in the past couple years. And I kind of wanted to hide it, downplay it, I you know oh it's not that bad it's fine it's just another bad day you can take it but ever since this pandemic hit and all this this time of uncertainty absolutely I really took this opportunity to go you know what I need help and it's okay to say that I need help so many people need help and I'm going to reach out and try to find help for me especially during this time
0: pressures of like a breakdown or we might feel even more uncertain, especially if we had just graduated or if we're on the job market. So I I definitely think this year has been really tough on all our sisters nationwide. And because of that, Brianna, what do you think that we can do to support our sisters that might be going through a difficult time, but are afraid to, let's say, have that conversation with their parents? But maybe us as sisters, we can be for them, be there for them first. Like, what are some things that we could do, um, maybe to check on our social circle first?
3: What are some signs of maybe like a struggling sister, or like someone who is in a depressive episode?
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, that's a great question, honestly. Because what, like, let's be honest, what does depression look like? person to person it can be completely different person yes per person. definitely yeah um so you know but just some of the common signs honestly of a depressive state you know obviously very lethargic tired doesn't really have you know joy for things that they've done in the past or that usually would make them happy so those are just some of the telltale signs but what like we can do for our sisters or for anybody in reality is to be there for them and have them understand that you know everything that they say to you you can say they can say in confidence and that you'll be there for them and help them some other things that i've actually seen that helped a lot um at least something that uh, my chapter is starting to initiate is we're trying to do wellness circles and even do wellness chairs Mm -hmm. so we're trying to really push mental health because we know a lot of sisters who have you know mental health problems that may happen or very occur to them a lot so we like to push this and hopefully make it a part of the narrative and make it more of an open discussion so everyone can get help.
0: Yeah, that's so what are these mental circles for your sisters that you're doing? Could you share a little bit, like what are what did you guys start this program? I mean, I think all our sisters nationwide can use a, a wellness check from their chapter.
1: Oh, yeah. So obviously, it's in the beginning stages still right now. But what we eventually want to do is, whether it be a monthly or biweekly meeting, uh, we just all want to have a meeting where it's an open space, a safe space, obviously, where everyone can kind of talk about, you know, things that maybe weren't the easiest that week or some things that were great that happened that week. Uh, What we ultimately want to create is just a safe, open environment Where people can just talk about their feelings and not be judged or pressured by anything, Mm because obviously we're not going to force you to say something you want to say, because that's completely defeats the purpose of having a wellness circle. Or yeah,
2: so
0: those are really good points. I think that's a really good suggestion that um, our sisters could implement, and very easy right now during the Mm -hmm. pandemic, um, just to like do a virtual Zoom call or you know use your facetime multiple apps or something exactly (laughs) yeah
3: i really love the idea of a wellness circle because uh for my chapter like we've started trying to implement more like casualness into our chapter meetings because like we have a very we we really prioritize like professionalism which is like good Mm -hmm. but it's also like bad uh sometimes in terms of like encouraging sisters to talk about mental health at like formal events, quote unquote. So we sometimes will be like, hey, like, what are some rosebud thorns? I'm going in your life right now, which is like something that's going well, something that you're looking forward to, and maybe something that isn't that great. And it's just like, I feel a little bit closer to my sisters when we do stuff like that. I did want to ask you a question about um, COVID nineteen and mental health, because I have read a lot of like literature recently saying that COVID nineteen is basically like an ongoing trauma for like the American psyche, and like we're not dealing with it very well um, in terms of a country and also like as individuals. So, because we seem to be dealing with this for the foreseeable future, what is like some advice you would give to like keep people sane while still being like safe
1: that's a great question
3: I'm just thinking back of what I've been doing
1: honestly to help myself uh an easy one that people really seem to look over in my opinion is get some fresh air go outside take a walk I mean if it's safe for you or near an area that's um, not as well populated please go out get some sun take a walk because people really don't think about how much that helps and you know you tell somebody oh go take a walk you know some people are going to be like why would I take a walk why would that help no it really does help it helps you clear your mind it helps kind of get all your thoughts in place and for me personally I love it and it helps me a lot I mean what else can we do really right now
0: (laughs) I I agree um when people ask me like what hobbies did you pick up and I say I call myself a COVID-19 runner because, you know, with the gyms closing, I'm a very oh, yeah. active person, and I'm also pretty extroverted. So uh, when it suddenly everything went, you know, you can't do anything, I was like, mm-hmm. well, I have to go outside, and I'm going to do something. Um, I'm a very slow runner, but I agree with you on that physical activity can really, you know, um, even like just give us those nice endorphins, and it really does feel good after a day you perhaps you've used your brain, but Mm. you really didn't use your physical effort. So after you do both it, you do feel fulfilled. I do feel better. Um, I also will say, I think that Aaron, the question was COVID 19, like, you know, how do we have a sense of normalcy would be continue your day as normal. Like don't put on those sweatpants every day, you know, put on a pair of jeans, put on your like like business casual shirt or whatever it is that you may need and and try to be as quote-unquote normal as possible like make that bed in the morning don't just leave your covers undone now I'm guilty of this but um these are some things I've tried to continue doing and I also try not to as tempted as I am to watch I'm binge watching Game of Thrones Game of Thrones again because you know I like to torture myself with that season that was horrible (laughs) but uh I um, I think it's important to not tempt ourselves to like at night, you know, when our resources are low and we just want to hang out and not sleep, you know, we just try to continue our life as normal. Um, but it's really difficult to, um, but I think, you know, as, as a country, we're hanging in there. We're, we're doing better. I, I do appreciate um, seeing all the students with their masks and, You know, when I go to the grocery store, I do hear a lot of horror stories, but I do think generally everybody is trying to do their part. And so I really encourage everyone to keep it up. I know we're probably all really COVID tired, but, you know, there will be an end we just have to like, hang on and make
3: it. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, That you're saying, like, you know, put on those jeans, like, don't do work in bed, like make your bed, because I, I think I'm like, probably the worst COVID student out there. Like I do so much work in my bed or on the couch. I, I'm always in like sweatpants or pajama pants. In class, it's kind of a problem, but it's it's
0: fine, I guess. <laughs> no, it's, it's fine, Erin. I mean, I do know that some students love the virtual learning. Like, they're thriving. Like, um, they feel that they, they're doing better in all their classes. They enjoy that autonom- autonomy they have, uh, whether they can Zoom in, they can watch the lecture. They can just email the professor. Some students are thriving. I just think it's important to remember everyone has learning a different learning style. So if we want to see a positive, it would be, I think the way that our economy before, you know, go to the office nine to five, because you can only work at that time. This has kind of shaken all of our, what we thought was quote unquote normal. Like we're realizing that, hey, people can work remotely and get work done people don't have to come in and feel that nine-to-five tied
4: down, you know? Speaking of COVID, I'm actually really curious, Brianna, like, how the experience with therapy has been, if you can maybe elaborate on that in, like, general terms, because I know teletherapy has been huge, and I'm not sure if, like, that's your experience so far. Like, do you think that's been working out? Oh, yeah, definitely,
1: Uh, because obviously, you know, we're not obviously. People think when you think therapy, it's you and the person in the same room face to face, you know, it is COVID time of COVID. So I am doing uh, telehealth and I am doing all of my therapy sessions via Zoom. And at first I was a little worried about it because I was used to the whole idea of another person in the same room as you and you having a conversation with them. That all flew out the window after I met my therapist. She, it, I truly believe you have to find the right therapist. So I was very lucky. Uh, once you find the right therapist and you just, it doesn't matter if they're the screen or not, it's just you and them having that conversation. And it, it, it does wonders for me personally. It's just fantastic. I'm, glad it's working
4: out. Um, I'm actually really curious, like how you, you found your therapist, because, you know, finding a fit is really difficult sometimes. And I'm just really glad you had that experience.
1: Thank you so much. And honestly, it was the power of H-85 that helped me find my therapist. Yay! <laughs> yes, lucky ad. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, my auntie actually recommended this website for me. Oh, I wish I remembered off the top of my head. But um, they do a sliding scale, and they are they purposely work with people who do not have a high income or who make a high income. So um, I found their website. I signed up and they have a whole list of therapists in your area that you can talk to. And if they're accepting new clients, I was very lucky enough to find my therapist there. And the rest is history.
4: <laughs> that's great. I'm so glad. And that's really amazing that AKD AKD5 helped because I think there's a huge network of sisters that are out there that can support each other, even if we've never met before.
1: Oh, definitely. 100%. I
3: agree. Um,
4: another thing I'm curious about is... How do you think therapy can help um, anyone who's going through a difficult time? Like, what do you think some of the outcomes would be for therapy? So the
1: one thing or one of the many things that I, you know, appreciate about therapy is you're getting an unbiased opinion from another person. You know, you, may have, you might have had, for example, you might have had a bad day and one scenario is just playing in your head over and over again and you, you can't seem to shake it off. You explain to your therapist what happened, what's going on they give you a completely different perspective of that situation just from coming from a different set of ears. Then that is amazing because I can't tell you how many countless scenarios or situations that I play over in my head and my therapist, something that she really um, enforces, she says to change the channel. So whenever you're having all of these thoughts that might be overwhelming You just have to change the channel and rethink from a different perspective. So that is something that I will always appreciate my therapist
3: for. She's a great woman. (laughs) That
2: is cool.
3: Yeah, that's super sweet. Um, i actually really intrigued by what you were saying about how Phi like helps you find your therapist. So there's obviously a lot of like good that's going on in terms of like the Asian Greek community um, in terms of like furthering mental health conversations. But I'm sure that there's also like some ways to go. So how do you think that the Asian Greek community can do better in terms of this? So Brianna, I'm really intrigued by what you were saying about how AKD5 helped you find your perfect fit of like a therapist. And I think we can all acknowledge that while the Asian Greek community has done a lot to further conversations around mental health, we still have a long ways to go. So Brianna, Danelle, I wanted to know sort of like action items or what things you think the Asian Greek community can continue to do or start doing to improve mental health.
1: That's a really great question. Uh, I know for, you know, most organizations, you know, whether it be sorority or fraternity, they have a philanthropy and usually have a philanthropy month that is all about that certain set of philanthropy. I think it'd be a really cool and fun idea to kind of have a similar... Thing for mental health I know sometimes we'll have like a mental health week um I personally think a week isn't long enough that's just my personal opinion so I think it'd be a really cool maybe like, I don't know an initiative or thing to see where there's like a month long just dedication to mental health and I think that'd be really cool
2: mm-hmm.
1: what about you Dina
2: for me I think it was something I was even trying to implement back when I was inactive but I think that You know, there's never the right time to have tough conversations about mental health and really ensuring that everyone within your organization and your chapter is doing well. Because I think that, you know, in addition to like the things you have to do as an active and what you have to do within your organization, sometimes I think that we're so busy thinking about that, balancing school and our social lives and all of everything, right, that we don't really like take the time to acknowledge if our members are doing well and I think that it's hard to expect our members to do well and to be active and to be present if we're not checking in on them as leaders like in organizations and what we can do better is you know making sure that our members are doing well and like if issues come up if we see they're not doing well to really take a step back and allow them to be human first allow them to take breaks if they really need to step away from the organization for a little bit that's okay and it shouldn't be like shunned you know because I feel like people get kind of upset if someone feels like they aren't able to just take care of themselves and just want to be able to breathe because sometimes being in Greek life can be a lot and I've had experiences where I felt like I couldn't really take care of myself because I had to uphold my duties and my position what I think we can do better is like one, like wellness check-ins all the time with each other. You don't need to be in a position to check in on your brother or sister in your organization. And I think that like you need to recognize kind of like whether it's a month long or like a week long or however – Um, Just like doing workshops around it that can really tie into the cultural struggles that we have in regards to mental health because I know people always talk about how mental health is not, it's kind of like a taboo type of conversation in Asian culture and it shouldn't be because literally everybody is experiencing challenges in mental health, formalizing it, humanizing it and like letting people talk about it and feel safe if they open up about it with each other.
3: Yeah, for sure. I think that there is, like, definitely, I really like, first goal first, I really like Brianna's idea about, like, making it more of, an, of a programming priority in terms of, like, wellness checks, so how can chapters sort of implement those where it's not, like, where, where it's very intentional, and it's not just, like, a part of routine, like, you're not just asking because you feel like you should ask.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, an example... I think, like, you know, it's hard because, like, I know some people might think, like, oh, this has to be, like, another thing I have to do. But intrinsically, for example, when I was president, I decided to have, like, little chats, even if it was, like, 20, 30 minutes, just to see how, like, my members were doing because I wanted their morale to be high so that they wanted to be there for a reason. They weren't just feeling like it was a chore. They felt like they had to meet with me. Um, It's like building that sisterhood amongst each other. So, I think it starts with sisterhood first or, or like just starts with like you know cohesive like love and care for each other that you feel internally and it's genuine and like starting there and being able to have that type of relationship so that checking is more natural but I think that like you can start small um, just kind of like for example in terms of programming I think like maybe if Having someone like a guest speaker or like a panel of different people from within counseling positions or in mental health come in and talk about it to just start the conversation and expose your members to what that even means. And it'd be even better if they are people of color or specifically Asian, Asian Americans so that, you know, they can identify with who the speakers are. Because I think you can't always talk about it if you don't really recognize it or see it as an issue to begin with. Doing that first and having maybe someone guide it or facilitate it first can maybe expose members more to like, oh, actually, yeah, I am having struggles with my mental health. And oh yeah, that I see that and I recognize that within what I'm feeling, but I haven't really talked about it. So maybe that could be a start. aside from just, like, trying to really build a sisterhood and, you know, being able to um, check on people naturally. But from there, I think, like, the more you go into it and the more you kind of, like, maybe even have it at the beginning of every meeting, like a check-in before you go straight into business, like, let's go around. How every, How's everybody doing today? Or, like, let's go around and see, like, you know, mood check, weather check, like, what is the mood or the weather today? Simple things like that can show that, like, you're – you're open to seeing how people are feeling before just going into business. Because if you're just business all the time, I feel like that's a barrier or blockade to being able to open up environmental health.
0: I just want to say that I'm very inspired by Brianna and Danelle, your guys' ideas about wellness checks. And I really think that Katie 5 should almost mandatorily implement that within their chapter because. I think, as you said, I was active a really long time ago, but I'm not even going to say when, but, you know, we didn't, we, you get caught up on all those, okay, I have to run to these meetings. I have to do this. I have to do that. And you kind of forget to check on your sister and say, hey, are you still having fun? Are you okay? You know, is this voluntary work of, uh, that, you, that we're happy to do, but, you know, it can be a lot on top of our our school and on top of personal life and then plus our KD5 life. So I really like that you guys are very passionate about. And I think perhaps nationwide, we need to do a better job, especially with this COVID has shown us that even though we might be in a sorority, we have these zoom meetings, but you know, maybe we're missing that one-on-one, you know, uh, personal t- like intimacy that we get. And that's why we joined a sisterhood, right? We didn't join a, prof- like, just to be in a professional organization. We joined a sisterhood. So I think that's very inspirational. I'll probably reach out to my, to my line sister's this like, hey, how are you guys hanging out over there? Um, I also wanted to uh, ask something. So thank you to my intern, Erin. She showed me this article and it talks about holding space. And I was just wondering if you were Brianna or Danielle had it any comments about holding space for someone, because I think that it's very unique and it's something you don't think about. And when you read it, it's very eye opening because it can truly help your sister, but it takes a little bit of time for you to learn what it is.
1: Uh, I would love to be educated on this. I've never heard of the term, but uh, anything new to learn is something great for me.
2: So I've definitely heard of the term like holding space before. And I feel like I've kind of tried to implement it like when I work with like students or even back when I was active or, um, you know, just like with my friends. But I think it could mean different things for people. But for me and my perspective, it's I think it's like, you know, how we're always so busy. We're always on the go, running around, doing so many things like. I think people need to, one, like hold space for themselves and hold space for others. So, holding space in my perspective is like stop, pause, literally, you know, take a moment to breathe, take a moment to check in internally. Am I doing well? Is my mental health okay? Am I feeling stable? Am I feeling safe? You know, thinking about that, acknowledging that, and, you know, pausing from your crazy life and just, Holding space so that can mean anything that can mean just like literally laying, not doing anything, just turning off all your devices, or um, not doing any work, or watching Netflix, or you know, it's kind of like a mental break and having that. To you feel like you're okay and you feel like you're at equilibrium where you're feeling good and you feel like you've acknowledged the fact that you needed that breather and then when it comes to like holding space for other people I think it's like when like I feel like it kind of ties into checking checking in with them but also just like being able to let them know I'm here for you and you have that safe space, space with me where I'm able to hold you and what you're feeling in that moment. And, I yeah. hold that. and like, I'm open to letting you say how you feel what you are going through. I'm holding that and I'm holding you in that space and you're safe with me. And there's like nothing that will come into the space in this moment, because I care about you. I, I really
0: like that view. And I think the article I read,
2: you've hit it completely on the nail. It's, you know,
0: just being present with that person, letting them know, you know, it's okay. I think what really struck a chord in me when I was reading the article and listening to you though, um, holding space can be draining on your own resources as well. You know, it's important to hold space for yourself. I probably should uh, check in with you guys more and ask like, Hey, am I doing this right? I, I never know if when it comes to, self-care if I'm doing it right as we were saying earlier you know like I come my parents are much more traditional and it was always you'll be fine you know go for a run you know work sweat it out or you know it's the sign of weakness if you don't feel good so this this has been a really eye-opening chat with you guys and I really appreciate it
4: yeah uh totally what Randy said um I think I have a question I think both um Brianna and Danelle might have good responses to and it's just building off what Randy said about how it drains your resources. So like, I was wondering what strategies you have for holding space while making sure that your own mental health is also okay.
2: That's a
1: really great question. Uh, Cause it can be draining, honestly, as we discussed, you know, a little bit ago, it can definitely be draining on oneself. Uh, for me personally, uh, to make sure that I'm in a good position to help someone else who needs help. Uh, for me, I like to practice mindfulness. Uh, it might be silly, you know, guided meditation, some people kind of scoff at it. But personally, I think it helps a lot because it keeps me in a grounded state. And it kind of helps me recollect all of my thoughts. So that really helps me. So I like to do guided meditation. Do you have
0: any apps um, that you recommend, Brianna, for guided self-meditation? How do you not fall asleep? Can you do a guided self-meditation. That's what I should ask for you.
1: That is a good question because uh, also I listen to ASMR to help me with my anxiety and mental health. Oh my God, same. (laughs) So I like to listen to ASMR and, you know, sometimes it's supposed to make you fall asleep, which is good. That means you're relaxed. So it's doing its job. So if you fall
3: asleep, that's totally fine. It just means that it's working. (laughs) Okay bouncing off of like this guided meditation sort of like mindfulness um answer as well as like what randy was saying earlier so i wanted to ask about like self-care because we all know like self-care in terms of like bubble baths like uh, a lot of buying yourself i think that over the years from what i have seen self-care has very much been appropriated by capitalism and so i wanted to ask the two of you guys like how do you find like, meaningful self-care practices that are outside of, like, buying things?
2: Yeah, I can answer that. I was literally going to say, like, I feel like people think self-care is, like, so glamorous. It's, like, like you <laughs> gotta, like, go and buy that Gucci bag and that's self-care. I mean, you do you and that's okay. But, um, like, you know, self-care can be, like, as simple as, like, you know, eating, like, a favorite snack or – um like, for me, for self-care, I like to go on, like, short walks, um, like, around the block because I haven't been going too far out during COVID. Um, but I also, like, self-care, like, I like to binge-watch shows on Netflix. And I also, like... Yes,
0: girl.
3: Yeah,
2: oh, my gosh. I can, <laughs> you know... There's never too much self-care as long as you set some boundaries for yourself to get back to work eventually. But, of course, like, I think something that... Also, I think it's self-care that I've been working on that has been so tough. It kind of also ties into the previous question, but it's like self-care where you set boundaries where, like, I'm the type of person, I'm an Enneagram too. I don't know if, if people know what that means, but basically I am, yes. like, a people user. I want everybody in my life to be happy. I talk to everybody, check in with everybody, but then kind of like a challenge for me is that I like lose track of taking care of myself because I'm always taking care of everybody else. And like what I've been trying, which has been so hard, but I think I can see how much it helps my mental health and helps with me with self-care is like, I set boundaries. Like sometimes I don't have the mental capacity to take care of everybody. And like, I have to check in and make sure that I'm doing okay before I'm like, you know, let it, calling every single person and like making sure that they're able to like vet and things like that. But it doesn't mean that I don't care about you and it doesn't mean that I'm not here for you, but it just means that, you know, hey, like for me to give you my best self, like to take care of myself, I need to like, I'm sorry, I need to go back for a little bit. And I think that like people need to kind of realize that doesn't mean they're like a bad friend because like they're just taking care of themselves. Like I think that should be a priority for an individual anyway. So, like, when I've started to set these boundaries for myself, and then, like, when I feel back to being okay, and I go back and check in with people, I've noticed that, like, I view that as my self-care, you know, the boundaries, and just, yeah, because it's hard. I don't, I don't, sometimes I'm like, I don't want to set these boundaries, I want to just check in, but when I do, I notice that I'm able to be more helpful, and my mind is right, and I'm feeling, like, better, so... Um, but other than that, like I'm not buying like hella stuff and all of that. I am you know just laying in bed and just like snuggled in bed with my cat, and I find that to be like the most relaxing thing ever, and listening to like some fi music too <laughs> that helps me too,
0: yeah, I think you make a a very, very important point, um and especially with this whole conversation we've had today is that taking care of yourself <laughs> means you're taking care of others as well. As long as, you know, you have, you are okay. That ener I believe that energy, put the energy you put back into the world is better than the energy if you weren't okay. So I really liked those points. Um, because again, I'm like, I feel bad if I fall asleep in self meditation, but you know, Brianna said, it's fine. You know, you're just relaxed. And, um, I really like the point you made that, I tend to always want to check in on my close friends too, but you know, sometimes I'm really tired and when I'm checking in on them, I might be giving them, you know, half of what I normally would. And that doesn't help anybody in the situation. So that's really nice to hear. And I think it's very important that we remember that even with all these talks about, you know, like checking in on others during this COVID time, but also to make sure that you yourself are okay. And I love Enneagram 2s. My mom is one. She's the glue in our family.
3: Yeah, uh, I really like that answer. Brianna, I don't know if you wanted to add anything, but I wanted to ask that because I was really frustrated with how much a lot of like, buying bags and like stuff just seemed very like weaponized femininity like it just seemed like oh that's like another thing that like we as women we have to do like we have to do all these like elaborate beauty rituals and now they're just labeled like self-care
1: yeah definitely it's upsetting because everywhere you go they're like oh uh, self-care go get your nails done get your hair did you know go do this. Go buy that Louis Vuitton bag that you've always wanted. (laughs) That's obviously not what we want to hear. But I honestly feel like we need to educate more people on it because I don't really think that people understand that self-care can just come from your home, from your room, reading a book, taking a nap. That's self-care.
0: So I really want to thank you ladies for joining us today. I know that I learned so much from this conversation. We're also going to link uh danelle and brianna's social media handles um in this episode so make sure you give them a follow and we really want to thank you ladies again for being with us today yes thank you so much for having us yes love and friendship everybody Thank you again for listening to our podcast today. As always, we hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you have any sister you would like to podcast with us, please be sure to send an email to development at org. Thanks again and hope you tune in next time.